Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message from Pastor Josh Shoemaker. I feel like the Lord last week uh, did some really incredible things in some different people's hearts. And um, I was preparing this week, trying to figure out which direction to go. And, and I felt like to maybe tag on to the last week's message um, with, with a few different thoughts. And so that's where we're going this morning. So if you have your Bibles, open up with me to Luke chapter 17. We're going to start in verse 11. If you get there, give me a woot woot. If you're looking at the screen this morning, give me a woot woot. There you go. There's the heathens in the room this morning that didn't bring their Bibles. Luke 17, verse 11. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten lepers stood at a distance. Everybody say, stood at a distance. Ten lepers stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and he said, go show yourself to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, praise God. And he fell at the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Last week we talked a bit about leprosy and what it looks like spiritually to have something eating at you on the inside. Something that's hidden from most people's gaze. And something that eventually, as we learned last week, leprosy not only attacks the skin, but it also attacks the nerves. So not only are you dealing with a skin disease, but you're also dealing with something, a side effect, a symptom called numbness. Where you can't feel like you used to feel. And we looked at that story in the man named Naaman who was healed in the river by obedience. And now this morning we're going to look at 10 other men who were dealing with this same disease of leprosy. Who had something that was hidden, that was eating at them at the inside, that was causing them to go numb, not allowed to feel. So these 10 men with leprosy came to Jesus and the Bible says that they stood at a distance. Now in normal circumstances this was a good thing. Right? If my kids get the flu, I want them as far away from me as physically possible, right? If it was legal, I would, or really I should say, if Amber would let me, I'd rent a hotel room for them to spend the weekend in if it was possible. Like, I, I, if, I don't want them anywhere. That sounds, I'm a great dad, am I? I don't want them anywhere near me, right? And, and in normal circumstances, and especially in this case of leprosy, which was highly contagious, it was good for them to stand at a distance. In fact, it was even biblical by the law. It was even uh, through the law of the Mosaic law or the Levitical law, they were required to be at a distance. 
So in normal circumstances, this was a good thing that they stood at a distance. But listen, this isn't a normal circumstance. This isn't a normal man that they're standing in front of. This is the great physician. This is the great I am. This is the beloved one who humbled himself and came to the earth so that we could be made well. And listen, he's not afraid for you to draw near. In this moment, in this circumstances, in this circumstance, in this situation, it wasn't Jesus that required them to stand at a distance. They chose to stand at a distance. In fact, Jesus would have gladly welcomed them to come near. And in fact, he does so in Matthew chapter 8. Let's look at that real fast in Matthew chapter 8 in verse 1. Another story of another leper. It says, after he, Jesus, came down from teaching on the hillside, a massive crowd, massive crowds following, began following him. Suddenly, a leper walked up to Jesus, not stood at a distance. He walked up to Jesus. He threw himself down before him in worship and said, Lord, you have the power to heal me if you really want to. Jesus reached out his hand and he touched the leper and said, of course, I want to heal you. Be healed. And instantly, all the signs of leprosy disappeared. In one story, 10 men stand at a distance and cry out for mercy. In another story, another leper comes up to Jesus and he doesn't stand at a distance he doesn't follow the protocol. He walks right up to Jesus, falls at his feet. And not only that, Jesus reaches out his hand and places it on the man's back. It wasn't Jesus that required them to be distant. They chose distance. They chose distance. So why does one man break all the protocols? and draw near, but 10 others stand at a distance. If it wasn't Jesus that was requiring them to be distant, why does one group stand at a distance and another man choose to come near? The 10 stand at a distance because they were more aware of their leprosy than they were of who stood in front of them. They were more aware of their disease than they were of the fact that the one who could heal their disease was standing right in front of them. And this is our problem too. We become so conscious of the leprosy that we are fighting that it becomes a wall of separation between us and his presence. It becomes a wall of separation and it causes us to remain distant instead of drawing near. And again, we talked a little bit about this last week. What is leprosy? Sometimes it's sin. Sometimes we become so aware of our failures that it causes us to keep a distance from his presence. We become so conscious of our own misgivings and our, and our, our mishaps and our own choice to fail and to sin that we forget 
that he drew near to us, that while we were yet sinners, right, Christ died for us. But it's not always sin. Sometimes it's disappointment. Sometimes the thing's eating, that thing that's eating on the inside of us, the thing that's causing us to go numb, it's not sin at all. It's, it's disappointment. Sometimes that's disappointment in God, maybe. Maybe you've been praying for a situation to change and it hasn't changed and there's this separation, there's this thing eating on you. God, why have you not come through? And disappointment has caused you. You became so aware of your disappointment that it's built this wall between you and his presence. Maybe it's not disappointment in God. Maybe it's disappointment in yourself. Church, I have been there. That the last time I drew near, the last time I gave myself fully to him, the last time I allowed myself and that fire to burn on the inside of me, I just squandered the fire. And I disappointed him in my own. I believed I disappointed him. The last time I drew near, I messed up. And therefore, that disappointment in myself has caused me to build this wall of separation. Maybe it's not disappointment. Maybe, maybe it's confusion. Maybe it's, I don't quite understand, God, why I'm in this situation. I don't know how I'm going to get out of this situation. And you become so focused on the confusion that you don't hear the invitation to come near. One of the most powerful forms of leprosy, if we want to call it that today, is not even necessarily sin. It's what follows sin. It's what follows disappointment. And it's shame. One of the greatest fortresses that we build around us is shame. Brene Brown, who is a leadership teacher, psychologist, studier, sociologist, I don't know, she has all kinds of degrees. So she must know what she's talking about, right? She says this about shame. She says, shame is the intensely painful feeling or experience of believing that we are flawed and therefore unworthy of love, belonging, and connection. Sometimes the greatest hindrance to his presence, sometimes the thing that causes us to stand at the distance the most is the feeling that we are unworthy, that we don't deserve to belong, we don't deserve connection, that we are flawed and therefore unworthy to draw near. Shame, Brene says, does this. Shame drives two tapes that play over and over again in our heads. One of the tapes is you are not good enough. You're not good enough. The second tape that plays over and over in our heads that shame causes to play in our heads is who do you think you are? We stand at a distance because somewhere in our minds, we think, man, I am not worthy. Who do I think I am that I can draw near to the Father? What is the thing eating on the inside of you? Some of us last week were able to deal 
with that, that, that thing and uh, that we at least began to deal with that thing on the inside of us. But I want to ask you again this morning, what is eating you at the in, in, on the inside? The hidden thing that nobody else sees that is causing you to stand at a distance when you've been invited to draw near. Now, don't get me wrong. These men knew that they were talking to someone special, right? They knew that this guy had healed others of leprosy. So if I wanted to be healed, this is the guy I need to go to, to talk to. In fact, they, they knew well enough to come to this man and come to Jesus and to call him master. And uh, Brian Simmons, who's the translator of the Passion Translation, he uh, was kind enough to tell us that that word master is not your normal word for teacher. It actually denotes that they realize that this man was supernatural, right? That he's not just some kind of a run-of-the-mill teacher, that he is supernatural and he is above even the rank of rabbi or teacher. So they knew well enough that this man was special, right? They knew that he was good and they knew that he was the guy to come to. They knew enough that he was the guy to ask but they couldn't see far enough past what was eating them alive to see that they may not be able to get close to anyone else, but they could draw near to this man. They knew he was special, but they couldn't see past their problem, their issue, to know that even if they couldn't draw near or come close to other men, they can draw near and come close to this man. Others may be afraid of your leprosy, but he's not. Others may condemn you and think that the leprosy was brought upon you for some failure, but he doesn't see you that way. Others may remind you that you are a failure, but that's not his song over you. You may not be able to see past your own wounds, but when he looks at you, you may not be able to see past your own infliction, your own failures, your own disease. But when he sees you, he sees skin like a newborn. When he sees you, he sees all that he created and all that he loves. When he sees you, he can see past the disfigurement. He can see past the disease, he can see past the failures. And he can see deep down who he created you to be, which is the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, which is one called beloved, whom he loves with the same love that he loves the son with. They couldn't see past their own failures to see that this man was different than any of the other priests, than any of the other rabbis. That they may have to stand at a distance from them, but this man, they can come before him with their disease and draw near. But they stood at a distance. Here's the amazing thing about Jesus, is God will meet you where you're at. God will meet you at the level 
that you come to him with. So if these men, these men felt like they needed to stand at a distance and cry out for mercy, then he was going to meet them at that level. And so Jesus looks at them and he says, all right, go show yourself to the priests. Kind of reminds me of go dip in the water seven times, doesn't it? It was an act of obedience. It was a command that they, that they received from Jesus. So Jesus met them where they were. The thing about Jesus is that he meets you where you're at. I've been meeting with a, with a young man here recently who was seeking after God for the first time ever, right? And I'm meeting with him and he's using all kinds of foul language, right? <laughs> Talking about Jesus, using foul language. Then he'll, he'll tell me something that, like an idea that he had about God and, and it's not quite biblical, right? <laughs> but you know what? He's seeking after God. He's hungry to know God. And you know what? God is meeting him right where he's at. He's meeting him right where he's at. And you know what? This is just a little side note here. I would rather someone with a foul mouth and a pure, genuine heart than someone who has clean language but hidden motives. And there's a lot in the church today who have shiny, clean exteriors, but inside there's these hidden motives that are not pure. And I'll take the foul mouth and genuine heart over the clean mouth and unpure motives any day of the week. God meets you where you're at. He meets you right where you're at. So some may be further along than others on the journey, but listen, he doesn't look down upon you because you're not a little further along than this person. He doesn't look down on you because maybe you're just in the beginning stages of learning about God and, and trying to understand him. Listen, listen, you are so valuable to him. And you may not be ready to run up and fall at his feet yet. You may not have that confidence yet and understanding and revelations that you have permission to do that. You may not be there yet, but listen, he's still going to meet you where you're at. And even if you choose to remain distant and cry out to him, he still has mercy on you. These men, Jesus tells them to go show themselves to the priest. So they said, the Bible says that they began walking in obedience. And listen, that took some faith, didn't it? Because in order to go to the priest, they had to walk into the city, which they were forbidden to do. But in obedience, they began walking to the priest, to show themselves to the priest. Before the leprosy began falling off their skin, they began walking to the priest. And the Bible says that as they walked, their skin became whole. As they walked, the miracle took place and they were physically healed on their way to the priest. Then the Bible tells us that of the 10 men, there was one man who realized he was whole. And what does the Bible say he does? He turns around and goes back to Jesus and falls at his feet. Let me just read the passage here to you this morning in verse 14, it says, as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus shouting, praise God. And he fell to the ground. Where did he fall? At Jesus's feet. Thanking him 
for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Ten were healed. All ten of them, through an act of obedience, walked back to the priest, and all ten of them were healed of their leprosy. But one returned. And look at where the one who returned landed when he met Jesus. He wasn't standing at a distance anymore. Instead, it says he goes right up to Jesus and falls at his feet, not standing at a distance, but close enough to feel Jesus' breath on his face. Why is this important? This is important. Why, why is it important? There's, there's several reasons why, but we're going to cover two of them this morning. Why is it important that this one returned? All of them were healed, but one returned. This is why it's important. At the end of the story, Jesus tells the man this, your faith has healed you. Now there's something here in the translation that we miss from the Greek and the Hebrew uh, Greek tr to the English translation, we hear the word healed, and that sounds really familiar. All of them were healed, right? But there's a different word that's used here when Jesus says that this man was healed, and it was the word sozo. It says, your faith has sozoed you. The word sozo in the Greek not only means physical healing, it also means spiritual healing wholeness. Wholeness. Ten men stood at a distance and cried out for mercy. Ten men received mercy and were physically healed, but only one man was made whole, and he was the one who drew near. Ten were healed physically, but only one walked away whole. And it was the one who came back, fell at Jesus' feet. Who found proximity to Jesus. And fell at his feet and worshipped. He was the one who remained, or made, was made whole. You can still receive mercy from God at a distance. Church, let me say that again. You can still receive mercy from God at a distance, but you will never feel the touch of his hand on your back. God is good, and he will still grant mercy to those who cry out, and even if they stay distant. But there's something that you miss when you stand at a distance. There's something that you miss when you allow there to be a wall separating you from his presence. Mercy and goodness is there. The Bible tells us it rains on the just and on the unjust. God is good and he will not withhold your goodness, his goodness from you. But there's something you miss when you stand at a distance. You were not made to stand at a distance. Church, you were made for union. You were made to draw near. The Bible says 
that the Father is in Jesus. The Father is in the Son and the Son is in the Father. But then it goes on and it tells us something that's absolutely mind-blowing if we take just a minute to think about it. It says the Father is in the Son and the Son is in the Father. But then it tells us that they are in us and we are in them. You were made for proximity. You were made to join in the relationship with the Father, the Son, and, and, and the Spirit and be able to enjoy the fellowship that they have with one another. They, get, they share that fellowship with us. And it's only in proximity that you find wholeness. It's only in drawing near to the Father that you find wholeness. Why? Because you were made for union. And if you are not entering into that union, there will always be this void on the inside of you. Even if you stand at a distance and cry out, even if the Lord grants you the mercy and heals you, you will never find wholeness until you walk in fellowship and union and proximity to him. You were made for union. There's another part of this story that's incredibly important. There was a certain approach that the man had when he came to Jesus. There was a certain way that he came into proximity to Jesus. And it was this, humility and gratitude. He drew near to Jesus with humility and gratitude. There is a huge difference between being thankful and moving into gratitude. I'm sure that the other nine men were thankful for their healing, right? I'm sure that they were thankful to Jesus that he had brought restoration to their bodies. But the other man, he came with gratitude. And here's the difference. Thankfulness is an emotion. You can feel thankful. Gratitude is where emotion is turned into a response. Gratitude is where emotion, I'm sorry, let me say it this way. Gratitude moves a feeling to an expression. Does that make sense? Gratitude is more than a feeling. It's the fruit of a feeling. It's the action that takes place from the feeling of thanksgiving. And like I said, I'm sure the other nine were thankful that Jesus healed them, but only one allowed that feeling to be turned into an expression of worship. Only one allowed that emotion to be conveyed outwardly and to become, become more than just an emotion, but become an expression of worship and praise. And this is how we approach the Father. We come not in arrogance. We come in humility. And not only do we say the words thank you, but we express our gratitude. Some people wonder why 
why we sing songs at the beginning of service because it just kind of feels like feels like a concert or feels like some kind of form of Christian entertainment. No, 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 no. It's an opportunity for gratitude. It's an opportunity where that emotion of thanksgiving becomes an expression of worship. Where God, I'm not just going to mouth the words thank you. God, I'm going to express with everything in me. I'm going to draw near but I'm going to draw near with worship on my lips. I'm going to draw near with not just, not just lip service, but I'm going to draw near with an offering, a living sacrifice of praise. My message this morning, I want to convey two things this morning. Number one is this. Number one is you were made for union. You were created for this fancy word called perichoresis, which is roughly translated the circle dance. You were created for union with the Father. So the Lord may heal us from our leprosy, but listen, there's another step, and it's called drawing near. So I want to encourage you this morning, don't just cry out from a distance. You are invited into the very presence of Jesus. He's not afraid of your leprosy. He's not afraid of your brokenness. He's not looking down upon you for your failures. He wants you to draw near because he knows that it's only in that place of drawing near that you can be made whole. Whole. So you were made for union. The other thing I want to express to you this morning is I want to make sure that we're not just seeking for healing we're not just seeking for wholeness without gratitude being on our lips. That when we approach him, we come with humility and we come with an offering of worship. We come with an expression of worship. Let's go ahead and stand together this morning. Father, may we not be a church that stands at a distance. God, may we not be a people who stand at a distance. But God, let us be those who draw near. Father, let us be those who walk in union with you, Jesus. In fellowship with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. God, even for those in this morning who are, are dealing with that thing that's eating at them at the inside still. 
God, I just thank you today that your invitation is not come, come close, but your invitation is come near. You're not keeping us at an arm's length, but Father, even with our failures, even with our disappointment, even with our confusion, even with our shame, Father, the invitation this morning is to draw near. And in that place of proximity, of coming near, in that place of approaching your throne boldly, Father, there is wholeness that is found. There is healing that is found. So, Father, let us be those who draw near this morning. And, Father, we don't come near empty-handed, Father. But, Lord, we come near with a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving. With an expression of worship. With a song of praise on our lips. Father, we honor you for all that you're doing in us. We honor you for all that you're doing in this church, God. I pray that we grow deeper and deeper every Sunday, that every Sunday we would encounter another measure of your glory. Father, I'm thankful for what you're doing in individuals' lives, Lord. God, I pray that we would, they would, we would all be able to grow deeper and deeper in our personal relationship with you, Father. God, that we would experience your presence, not just in this building together, but Lord, in the intimacy of our own homes, Father. God, that your presence would be real to us. God, that we don't just draw near in, a, in an hour, two-hour service. Father, we draw near when we're sitting on our couch at home. We draw near, Father, when we're walking through the grocery store. We draw near, Father, when we're taking our kids to school. Father, may your presence and the may we walk in union every moment of our lives, Jesus. And may our lives be a continual living sacrifice, an expression of gratitude. Jesus, we honor you this morning and give you glory and praise. In Jesus' holy name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org.